0: A common misconception is that every page on your website should be focused on generating and converting leads. Gaetano, Dinardi, a growth advisor for companies like Gong, Cognizum, and more, proposes better ways to pull people into your orbit using value-led content. By understanding the intent of your website visitors, you can create and distribute content that delivers value to them. In episode 55 of The Marketing Pop Show, you learn first of all, the value-led content strategy. Second, Gaetano's declared intent audit process for B2B websites. Third, leading metrics that indicate website visitors are getting value. And four, a career power that has accelerated Gaetano's career. Before we get started, create created a free power ups cheat sheet that you can download and apply Gaetano's value based content strategy to your business right away. Get it now at marketingpowerups.com or find that link in the show notes and description. Are you ready? Let's go.
1: Marketing power ups. Ready? Your host, Ramly John. I'm
0: excited to come for you to come on here to talk about, you know, different levels of intent that buyers have when they come on a B2B website. You know, you've talked a lot about this. You've actually talked about how, um, when B2B executives, they're often uh, they have this goal in mind that when all users who come to the website should convert to leads. And you're like, wait, 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 one second. Like you wrote this post about why that's wrong thinking, especially with video executives. For people who haven't read it, I'm going to link it in, in, in the show notes and description that LinkedIn post you wrote. But I'm curious why you don't think, well, it makes sense to some people, but like why shouldn't every page in your site be focused on converting leads?
1: I think I think tech CMOs are starting to wake up to the fact that there's mm-hmm. just a lot of If you think of all the things, if you think of all the things that would clutter up a demand gen traffic reporting sheet, as you grow, you're going to have the following kinds of traffic just cluttering up the, you know, the actual growth portion of it versus non-growth. So things like customer login, career seekers, competitor lurkers, (laughs) analysts um all that stuff it's just a lot of clutter right so um the, the idea of a blended conversion it bothers me just because of that and as you grow there's a, a huge amount of that that comes through the site the other part of it is that so much of it is exploratory very very little of it is convert and when it is convert it's often not the path you might expect. It's often homepage demo con- convert or homepage to price and page checkout. out, uh, sign up for a demo and, and your classic B2B model, assuming it's not product-led or something like that. So with all that being said, it's like, how do you explain uh, a 30 second time on site with a conversion path of one page or two pages? The most common conversion path is homepage checkout or homepage pricing checkout, the reason that is, is because they've done all that work somewhere else. You know what I mean? Like they've went to review sites, they've talked to peers, they've went to Reddit or whatever community groups are out there. um, And they, they do a lot of the offsite research. When you look at the product and feature pages on a corporate site, a lot of it is just let me figure out what this is let me get deeper into it. And maybe, you know, there's enough there to pique the interest of a person when they're like, yeah, I'm still in the evaluation stage. But generally, generally speaking, most people don't fill out that form until they're like 80 to 90% sure. It's rarely the case that you get somebody filling out that demo form that's just like, yeah, I'm just kind of, you know, really early in my exploration phase, and I just want to learn more about it, that doesn't really happen anymore. So th- th- that part of the buyer journey has to actually ha- come from the website. It's It shouldn't be, let's just give them a little bit and force them to talk to sales to get all the deeper insight. It should actually be the opposite. Let's give them as much value as possible through the site and only make them talk to sales For the end portion of it, when they just have some very deep, intimate question or some very complex question about how a integration might work or something like technical details, right? Like don't make them get on the phone with sales when you could have given them that information through the site. So anyway, getting back to it. It's like when you have all those complex factors at, at play, it's very, it's very tough to look at like a pro- a main product page on a site and give it a conversion rate. Grade it that way. It's just very tough to do that given all the different kinds of intent that's going to that going to that page. And it's just not the place where people buy. It's not like it's an e-commerce pro- e-commerce product page. They don't buy there. You know, they're not looking at dimensions of a shoe with. So that that's the thing I'm trying to instill with the companies I work with changing thinking in that regard and you know not you know blowing smoke in terms of reporting like yeah we're going to make it a conversion rate improvement project on this page that is mostly zero buying intent traffic it's like what are you what are we doing (laughs) so that's that's where it all comes from you made a good point there i think people
0: want to educate themselves I, it might be because of the, the, the culture of, well, this may, it may be some misconception of like, if I fill out this form, I'm going to be bombarded by like text messages and calls and emails from the sales team. And I want to avoid that by making sure that I know as much as possible before I even submit. And you, I love how you put it. Like there's, you know, I have a question that is not answered on the site. And I'm like eighty to ninety percent ready to to buy, and that's when I'm going to fill out the form. Is exactly what I heard. I heard you say there. What'd you say?
1: Yes, yes. That is the modern way that people are buying. Hmm. Uh, they may even engage with a chat uh, widget on the site, assuming it's live. Um, I've been seeing more. There's a new category that's coming to life called co-browsing software. Have you heard of this? Co-browsing oh, software. No. What is this? Co-browsing software. Yeah. So the idea is that you can, without scheduling a meeting and going through all that hassle, Yeah. There's a widget will appear on the site that says, have a question, video chat us right now. What? Interesting. Yeah. Within 30 seconds, you will be on a screen share with a sales rep and they can share their screen and take you into the demo environment and give you a lightning demo right there on the spot. Of course, it's not you know, a super customized and tailored demo to their specific situation, but it's just enough to say, here's what inside the platform looks like. Mm. What kind of question do you have that wasn't answered on the site? Or you can share your screen and take me through what you want to go through and I'll, you know, answer it that way. So co-browsing software is something that I've actually been nerding out on and looking into quite a lot recently. Yeah, because the thing is, Think about how much effort would have to go into a B2B sales motion to get to that point. First of all, they make you talk to a qualifier, SDR, uh, yeah. inbound SDR. You have and to you get qualified. That, right? It's annoying. right? You just have a question. <laughs> that that SDR is probably not going to know the answer to that question. Right. Then it has to set you up with an AE. Hmm. Then you have to get to the point to when you talk to the AE and you're like, look, I just kind of really have a, a specific thing I want to know about. Yeah, I don't really need all this stuff just yet. You know, it takes too long to where you could just co browse and get to a specific thing. Mm. How does this work? How does that work? Right. So that's something I've been looking into. And that
0: lowers the barrier. Like, I'm guessing that co browsing, you don't have to like fill out a form or maybe it will be after, but it's like right there and then. And like you're getting your, answers, your questions answered by somebody in the back end and you like sharing a screen with that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Instead of fill out form, give us information, then we'll show you. It's mm. we'll show you now. Mm. And then if the call goes, well, oh by the way, can we keep in touch? What's your info? Right? Yeah. That kind of thing. So uh, you know, it's it's a different it's a different mechanism. Mm. It's a different mechanism. I would love to see more B2B websites go down this path. The one thing I worry about is the law of shitty click-through effect where <laughs> Where, uh, you know, Drift and Intercom, as soon as the first set of companies started using that little bot, you notice how everybody started using it. Right. And it just became like, this is the next thing that everybody's doing. It's just Mm. now part of the game. Right. As soon as everybody starts doing co-browsing, then that's going to, you know, that's going to make, right now it looks like uh, Drift and Intercom are dinosaurs. Mm. (laughs) Compared to certain, (laughs) yeah. But it's only a matter of time before... Everybody starts using it. Yeah. And then Drift and Intercom develop co-browsing capability. And then co-browsing is the next thing. Yeah. But until then, if you can be one of the companies that are ahead of that curve, yeah, deploy co-browsing, I think you'll have a leg up in the game.
0: 100%. Are there? Have you been checking out tools around this? Or this has to be like home-brewed, home-coded? Or are there like plug-and-play third-party tools that are enabling this because i'm so cool it sounds i'm curious
1: yeah there's definitely softwares and tools out there that are doing this yeah um if you just go on google and search like co-browsing tools co-browsing software you'll see a whole list of them Mm. they're they're out there they're out there so it's i'm actually surprised that it hasn't caught on faster like I, i actually learned about this by looking at like um websites in different verticals so yeah. i was looking at like car accident miami lawyer websites okay <laughs> <laughs> not that i was in not that no, i was no, in just, one just research, research yeah just research. research yeah i look at industries like that right. you know and i'm like the urgency behind this traffic gotta yeah. be gotta be really high. high yeah so conversion 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 is the name of it the right these these sites are probably the masters of conversion. Mm -hmm. Given how valuable the traffic is, how much volume of it is, and how valuable it is. So I started looking at these like car accident, Miami, personal injury, Miami, like personal injury, this slip and fall. And I'm like, man, the conversion Mm -hmm. tactics on these sites are really good. Mm -hmm. Really good. Now, not all of them would be applicable to like B2B, but the ideas that you'll get by looking at stuff like that kind of opens your brain. And that's where I saw co-browsing like have a quick question, call us. You think you might have a case? Call us. So instead of go, of course they have the forum option, but they also right. have like call us. The other thing they have a lot of is click to call. Yeah. Which we yeah. don't really do that enough on B2B. We like don't. In fact, some yeah. B2B sites have a phone number, you call it and it goes nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Interesting. Yeah. That's super cool.
1: What's I, your take I, on it,
0: man? I, I love it. It's like such... I thought you were going to say um, there, there's this whole boom around uh, product, like pro- out, out of app product tours where like you can play around with the product outside of it. I know, uh, shoot, I forgot which product is jellyfish or something like that. I know, um, you know they're starting to implement it. But yeah, like, Kyle approach, Lacey's company. <laughs> yeah, like Novatic, you know, like um, a bunch of other tools that allows you to create product tours where people can click around even before they sign up for the product or free trial. This is like next level, like product-led because like you're giving value even before they sign up and even before they commit. So like this is such a great example of give value before you um,
1: pretty much value-led approach to, to sales, essentially. Absolutely, man. Um, I believe that we will eventually see the day where expensive b2b software products don't right. even really need too many engagements with sales. Mm. Unless there's a super complex depl- deployment, yeah, where there's a lot of you know, use cases like internal and external and stuff like that. For something like the ABM software, that should be almost fully plug and play. You're right. Yeah. That makes sense. That's my take.
0: That's a that's a good take. I I can see I can imagine that. I think it's gearing more and more towards that, especially like if you think about the last like five ten years, I think the power has shifted from salespeople having like all the information, and now it's shifting more and more towards buyers. And this is like bringing it to a new level where like just show me what I want to know right now <laughs> without having to talk to your necessarily being jumping on a call with your sales team.
1: Dude, absolutely, man. I mean, think about outbound sales. Yeah, and where we are today, most of the calls, right? Assuming that. you hit the right ICP, you hit the decision maker or a person who's relevant. Um, The call script is good. You you, you know, you got good connect rates. Most of what you're going to hear is this. Oh, thank you. That is a really compelling offer, but I just don't have an active project right now. Maybe hit me up later. You're also going to hear a lot of, oh no, we're good with our current provider or we're locked in actually with a long-term contract with your competitor maybe when it's o- over or up for renewal we'll give you guys a look that may be one to two years down the road so the, the the thing with that bound sales is like you have so much of that yeah not right now right it's kind of reflective of the same thing with websites it's like yeah maybe not right now i'm just like checking mm-hmm. so that's the challenge
0: yeah that is true i'm, I'm gonna go look up some crowd cr- what did you call it? Cross browsing? Uh, co-browsing. Co-browsing. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised you don't have a recommendation and an affiliate link already. ready to go. <laughs>
1: yeah, dude, I need one man. I need to hit this affiliate game hard. <laughs> That's funny, dude.
0: You're really talking about like being value led here from the sales team. What can like marketing and content do to like enable more of that co-browsing experience? like i'm curious what your take is on like what kind of content would drive people towards uh towards that experience that future or, or that world that you're talking about where you know there isn't a lot of uh m- very minimal sales touch or calls is required to close big b2b sales
1: yes i i believe that from my experience what i'm what i'm noticing is there's not enough problem solution oriented content on b2b websites Mm. and if there is you have to dig very deep to find it so i was looking at a enterprise software website i'm going to go back to it i'm not going to state who they are but i'm just (laughs) going to look at it again for my memory and reference and tell you about their navigation and what they advertise okay (laughs) so (laughs) they have the product drop down menu which is fairly standard yeah they have a product overview link then they have uh, the naming conventions of the product, when you go into the solutions, menu, you see some really weird stuff. You see things like revenue data automation. What is that (laughs) (laughs) revenue strategy management? What is that? Right. Uh, I don't like that. And I'm going to just go into this revenue strategy management page. And it's literally just a page that says maximize revenue performance at every level. And then it says boost revenue precision. And then it says turn reps into quota crushers. I mean, I still don't know what this is. <laughs> quota I still don't know. I, yeah. Quota crushers. I mean, I still don't know what the problem is. Mm. Right? I don't know what the problem is. I would love to just see a drop down menu that says, here here's the problems we solve or problems we solve and then talk about the problem and then weave in the solution like i don't see what the problem is yeah so i I saw a really good example of this i'm going to call out this brand because they deserve to be called out on this positively (laughs) okay all right uh let me just make sure i have it uh this is it yes and we're kind of going into this kind of off the cuff, but Lucid Chart, Lucid Chart, yes, yeah, Lucid Chart, very good. Go yeah. to their solutions drop down. You're going to see by need, mm. by need, and then you're going to see uh, improve processes, uh, replace Vizio. That's that's clever. Yeah. Optim uh visual technical systems. I you know, I I, I kind of get more of a vibe here that they're taking more of a jobs to be done approach. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Yeah. Yeah. And you're they're they're basically uh able to solution what they offer by problem or by job to be done or by need. Yeah. I also like that they have by team, so mm. you know uh you? yeah, specifics around who are you, that's great. But I love the by need. I love the buy need, right? That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. So I don't see enough of that. So in terms of what you're asking is like, how can marketing get better at, you know, making it more value led shit like that. Don't Mm. call it revenue data automation. (laughs) Call it, (laughs) call it problem. Right.
0: That is so good. This I've never saw in any other companies who organize it by, I've seen it by teams. But not by need, like by like those jobs you that you mentioned. I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight this even more in a, in other places, and this really kind yeah. of helps like segment. You know, when people do that cold browsing experience, I, I bet you that the person on the other end, if they're smart, know what page they're coming from and know what problem they're having or who they're from. So you're from marketing because you came from this or from engineering, which kind of like you know this helps. Kind of support that
1: co-browsing strategy is not what i'm calling it <laughs> Co- co-browsing strategy exactly and dude the other thing is you know with the jobs to be done stuff like don't make it super top level fluff yeah. you know like like don't make don't make your drop down level your your drop down menu by need be like increase revenues optimize costs it's like save yeah time. Like, save time <laughs> You know, move right. you know, deploy faster. Okay, yeah, great. But mm. what's under that? The how <laughs> is missing? What what are we doing to get that outcome? Right. Ultimately, increased revenue is the outcome of everything. Right. So what is it that you're doing underneath that layer of the onion which makes it happen? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I love how you're talking about this, you're talking about
0: jobs to be done and like this focuses on like segmentation. On on the content side, is there anything that can pull people towards those those buy need products? I'm curious what you think about like more hot like th- this would probably more. Would you say this is probably more like mid to bottom funnel, value led content? What would like drive people towards these pages, I guess so to speak?
1: More, yeah, absolutely, man. Like one example of like something that you might not consider to be like, like immediate like problem solving, but think about this RFP template. Mm. If you're buying complex enterprise software usually requires an RFP. Right. And sometimes companies don't really have that on hand. So I've produced like, you know, the VoIP software RFP template, right? The LMS RFP template. And that has been a goldmine, right? That's, Helpful and value led pain point, uh, troubleshooting related content for, for technical products always kills it. So, I, I did like a, a voiceover over troubleshooting guide, you know, stuff like that. So X is not working. How do I fix it? VPN not working, all those kinds of things that can funnel people into problem and pain. Mm. The other thing is like, um, I, I read this book, uh, Gap Selling by Keenan. Mm, yeah. Check that out. Yeah. He 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 promotes the the this concept of the problem identification chart in his book, and the idea is that like, let's say you're selling SEO services or SEO software. There's only is there's only so many problems people have. Like you should know every single possible problem. You should know the impact of the problem, and you should know the root causes associated with each problem. Mm. And that can be the actual beginning framework for a really powerful content strategy. For example, organic traffic is not producing revenue. And this probably means you're just targeting all top of funnel topics. Right. Right. So producing pain solution oriented content around that theme. Of, yeah. We're investing in content traffic is growing, but we're not producing any revenue. That is a powerful. Thing. Mm. It may be hard to identify that you know in terms of a target keyword like you're not going to find that in a keyword research tool but that is a real problem that there's of seo software would have and so that can be a theme so basically theming content around problems rather than keywords could be a powerful way to drive them into that you know buy me jobs based approach that makes sense and this goes
0: back to like once again, you're you're kind of starting to de- declare the intent that those specific, you know, group of people. If you're if they came through content around a specific job we done or a problem or intent, and then they go to like um, you funnel them towards this page that is around that specific uh, you know product page or uh, solution page around that, and that gets them more you know that kind of that's a lot of information for. Your sales and even your that co-browsing strategy <laughs> to help them drive like okay i understand your problem because you checked out this this content this blog post and now you're on this page here are here is how we can help you Is what i'm like exactly exactly hearing from this like bigger content slash demand strategy rather than like being all over the place with keywords
1: it, yeah exactly that that's definitely one of the best ways um You know, if your company records sales calls, then that's where you should be living. Just go into Gong and type problem (laughs) (laughs) to the transcription box and sort for all the sections of calls where the word problem comes up. You're going to be amazed at what you see. Right. You're going to see so many things in there. It's kind of a rabbit hole exercise because you're going to type problem. Then you're going to start seeing. I'm just going to use the cybersecurity example. We're going to start seeing things like hack, dark web, uh, password, all this kind of stuff. Then you're going to dive deeper into those sections and you're going to go into dark web. And then you're going to find what keeps coming up over and over again in association with dark web is dark web alert. Ooh. Now I'm realizing, okay, dark web alert. There's something about this. C- customers are getting dark web alerts of NORM antivirus, but it's alerting them to the thing fast enough. Right. Or it's giving them not actionable advice on hey, we can find a dark web alert it's not clear on what needs to be done. Or I got a dark web alert and I was still hacked. Right. So that's automatic. Okay. A, a lot of content around the pains and problems associated with dark web alerts. What is a dark web alert? What happens if you get one? Mm. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. So that's that's the way I approach the problem specific angles. Yeah.
0: And it it almost feels like a a, a web where like there's like the main idea dark web alert. And then it kind of starts branching out almost like a spider map. Is that what you call it? Or
1: like this this uh, mind map essentially of what. Exactly. Exactly. Now, of course, you could probably find some of that with keyword research, but it might take you longer. Yeah. Or you may not find it at all. Who knows, right? You may get distracted. Uh, Listening to calls also tells you, like, if thirty percent of all inbound prospect calls talk about dark web, that's significant. That means Mm. we got to make that a pillar in our content strategy, right? If fifty percent of our calls are mentioning this, you know, that part of it. So that's kind of the way I I approach it. And the other great thing about this, it's like you don't
0: people don't have to guess exactly what the term is because like you they've said it like straight from the customer or prospect's mouth as to like, you know, is it dark web? Is it, you know, something else, but you, you, by, by starting from sales calls rather than uh quote unquote just just keyword research, you're actually getting a ton more information because you're basing it off real life calls from people who are having that specific problems. Exactly. Exactly. It's interesting you're saying this. I think you you started like you you have like this very strong like content SEO and like demand background, and you're like, guys, <laughs> start here rather than keyword research, which is I'm sure there's a hot take there somewhere because a lot of SEOs way back there. I'm not sure things are changing. It seems because like what's happening with uh, search generative uh, stuff, but like I think this is this is a interesting take that you're having here. Yeah.
1: Well the other reality on that is it's just getting harder to rank mm. uh, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer in SEO. That's, <laughs> that's just the way it goes. You know, if you don't, um, the, the brand power, the domain, strength, the links, the mentions, right? Like all that stuff plays a huge factor. So if you're a small ball trying to go, Against the big dogs. The <laughs> yeah. I like it. Exactly. You have to go as long tail as possible. And it just right. so happens to be the case. Pain point stuff happens to be very long tail. Yeah. That's right. the way it goes. It also it also seems like the larger a
0: company becomes, the more what did you call that company again? Like, re- like they make up, start making up random words that doesn't yeah. make sense because they got the brand, but like there's a, <laughs> you know, uh, right? Is that something you've noticed where larger companies like end up like revenue attribution model? I'm like, what does that even mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, I think they, I think they start listening too much to analysts mm. and not and not enough to the voice of the customer, wow. and and that that can be a huge problem. Yeah. That, that can be a huge problem. Like there was a guy named Dave Kellogg. Um, he's like one of the really smart executive influencer guys in the world of B2B marketing. He produces a lot of like executive board level kind of content. And he had a really great quote. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it was something to the effect of like, you know, let analysts be analysts. Product marketers should just listen to customers. Don't let the analysts influence or- Rather, I guess you could say, even to an extent, poison your your thinking. Wow! Yeah, and it, it hit really well. I think that was like a perfect way to summarize it. So right. that revenue data automation stuff, like just sure. save that for the birds. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I
0: think the other thing, yeah, you're right. I think they're they're by making up new terms, they're hoping to create. And I'm guessing you have this. I, I think I read somewhere around like creating a new category. You have I feel like you have a take there, or like you know, creating that new category is super hard. And you, you're thinking like you're creating this new term and category. It's it's not really, and it's not problem focused. It's not going to fly as well, you
1: know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually see too many people uh, these days, like pushing the whole create a category narrative. I think it's kind of going down. Mm. I think in terms of like where we are today, like efficiency and, lean growth has become way more important than let's create a category. I think create a category has been associated with highly risky. It is, yeah. It's highly risky because if it fails, and I mean, you you just wasted time, resources, Mm. money. uh, The list kind of just goes on and on. So, yeah, I don't know if I have a strong opinion at the moment regarding category creation. I just seem to observe that it's far less important than it once was.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: Well, this is a great chat about, you know, this whole value-led
0: content. I actually want to shift gears and talk about career power-ups. Now, you've been in marketing way, way over a decade, having worked with a growth advisor, marketing leader at companies, like Cognizant, PipeDrive, Nextiva, you know, as a you know, both an advisor and a marketing leader in some of these companies. I'm curious, what's a power-up that's helped you accelerate your career? It could be something that is softer skills of marketing, or it could be like a very hard, harder skill of marketing, so to speak.
1: It's it's a great one. It's a great one. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll give you one soft skill, one hard skill. Mm. On the soft skill front, I would say that... Um, At kind of like an individual level, having a great mentor Mm. has really been huge. Interesting. I, I, you know, there's, there's really two guys I can think of. One guy, his name is Joshua Giardino. He, you know, when I was really young in the marketing game, he saw me as someone that had a lot of potential and he, he kind of just like took me under his wing, he worked together. Then we separated in terms of like company, but we still kept in touch. And just having regular catch-ups, I mean, that has been so huge for me and, like, just grew up on and, you know, became really good friends. And then the CMO of Nextiva, Yanis, uh, like, he taught me a lot and he really definitely coached me on a lot of stuff and he gave me room to, to spread my wings and kind of grow. So, like, having a mentor is huge. On the team leader side, the number one thing in terms of power-up is... Get in the trenches with the team. Don't be too managerial. Don't be too high level strategy. Don't be too cool to get your hands dirty. You know, earning the respect of the team is key. And there's no better way to do that than actually getting in the trenches, doing stuff, hosting workshops, landing page teardowns, keyword research analysis, deep dives in paid search. All that kind of stuff is key that's the soft skill side for the power-ups yeah mentor and be a player coach on the hard skill stuff. I think the, the be a player coach actually leans into the hard skill, which is yeah. don't lose your, your abilities. Like don't, if you're a butcher, don't forget how to <laughs> slice up a stick kind of thing. You know so what I mean? Good. If you're a guitar player, don't forget how to do a, you know, a minor Play scale. Track. Like All it's, right. Yeah, keep keep the uh, the fundamentals sharp by practicing and utilizing the tool set that you have, the skill set that you have. You just become a, a strategy spreadsheet warrior. You'll forget how to use software and tools and how to get. Uh, and I mean, dude, I once had a a, a marketing leader that I reported into that didn't even know how to check how much traffic the site was getting. Wow. Would hit me up like, hey, how much traffic did we get this month? Like, are you kidding me? You don't know how to look that up yourself in two seconds? So uh, that's that's the power up on the hard skill is actually yeah. by being a player coach, you stay up to date on the latest tools, mm-hmm. on the latest techniques, yeah. what's working, what's not. You know, f- for example, for me, the next thing I got to do is master GA4. Mm-hmm. I haven't done it yet. I, ne- I need to get in there and figure that out. So it's, you know, just like staying sharp with a regard to the actual tool set. I think that is the, the best power up I can say for hard, parts. I would like to
0: double click on the first one around mentors. I've had some great mentors in my past um, and some here who are more uh, informal mentors, so to speak. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, hey, you want to yeah. be my mentor? More like it just happened organically where we just caught caught up a few times. For people who are tuning in who are like maybe younger in their career, do you have any tips for them to find a mentor? Like, how did you find yours? Did it just happen organically? Like, it happened to mine where they were my boss? Or was it like
1: you actually reached out to a few folks? It it definitely happened organically. Um, I I never made it like a priority to say, oh, I admire this person. I want them to mentor me. Mm. I guess that could work. I think it's harder to make that work. I don't think people are really busy today. I don't know who is going to take time out of their busy schedules yeah. to just randomly mentor a, a you yeah. know, a unless random you person, <laughs> unless you pay them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, my advice would be like, just let it happen organically mm. through people you meet in companies, the bosses, when you become like really close with our know, partners, whoever, like just try and latch on to people who you have good chemistry with and see where it goes. That's the best advice. Mm. And you've been very generous. I think I
0: saw that in you tweeted that a lot of people have been asking you about like becoming an advisor or solopreneur. And I feel like that's the other side to it would be there are some people who have gone into a certain level who wouldn't mind spending like five, ten minutes just chatting somebody younger, a younger marketer. So is that what you have been doing with your time? Like, especially if it's a younger marketer who might be just up and coming, so to speak.
1: Yeah, you know, like everybody wants to quit their job and be an advisor. <laughs> I saw that tweet. <laughs> Especially
0: yeah. nowadays.
1: Especially nowadays, like nobody wants to work for a company right. anymore. They want to you know, be the cool super consultant, work with all the cool companies, super speak consultant. at all the events, get all the you know, get all the fame, all that kind of crap. <laughs> uh, yeah, the way I would think about it is this: for me. This just kind of happened. Mm-hmm. you know I didn't I didn't wake up one day and say like yeah, I'm gonna do this. I wanted I didn't have a plan for it either. So the way it all unfolded was that I kind of did the whole build in public thing while I was at companies. Smart. yeah I made it, I made it a point to like no matter what full-time role I had as an in-house tech marketer, that I would. I told myself going into it that my goal in here is not to graduate to become CMO of the company and raise mm. myself in the corporate ladder system. It's let me get out of this company with a success story. Mm. I need to write a success story. Like that. So I'm not doing this for accolades on internal clapping or praise. Yeah. I'm not even expecting to get a huge salary increase or whatever. My goal is not to stay here for 10 years and know rise through the ranks my goal is to stay here for like three years crush it and have an insane success story for myself when i came in here was the landscape. when i left here was the landscape. right all the stuff that happened in between this is what we did to make that happen and then publish that people say wow this guy went into a tough environment he you know was dealing with all this crap he had the you know the the cards dealt against his and he was able to come out, uh, you know, and defy the odds and, and accomplish this really cool, thing. whether that's pipeline growth, whether that's traffic growth, that's content strategy, implementation and technical stuff, whatever the case may be. And while while you're doing that in public, you start to grow a network little by little by little by little. And so doing that three consecutive times over like five, six years. The next natural progression was, well, I'm kind of well known enough at this point. <laughs> I ha- I have enough credibility. Right. I've got a good foundation. Yeah. I think it kind of makes sense to just do some consulting. And that has a natural flywheel effect in that you do great work for a client, you publish a case study on that, or you share great results, then you get referrals. Then more people come inbound asking you for help. Then you become well-known for solving that paid search, SEO, inbound growth, whatever. And then it just kind of keeps going. And so I don't ever really have... Yeah, I'm blessed to say I don't have to do outbound. Mm, I can sustain myself on my own just through the referral system. So that's the advice in terms of like if you actually do want to think about going on your own, so to speak, you gotta have a little something behind you. You can't just wake up from day one and, and make this happen because it's hard. You know, yes. clients care a lot about credibility and track record. Mm. If you don't have that, it's going to be really tough to convince them that you're the right choice. Even if you run a flawless sales process and your offer is super compelling, you're going to lose to a guy like me nine out of ten times. They're going—I <laughs> they, to hate to say <laughs> it—but they're going to—they're—they're they're right. much more often right. going to choose me just because. I've got the credentials. Mm. So, yeah. That's just what it comes down to, man. That's what true. do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think there's less risk.
0: I think that's why people buy software that it's not actually great experience, it's just because it has a bigger brand name. You know, like uh I don't want to call it any software products cuz they they might get mad at me. Sort of but like exactly that. Like they're buying you because you are trusted and it did risk the situation where like Hey, I'm hiring this guy, Gaetano. It's like, why? Well, he's worked with a bunch of companies that we know of Nextiva, like uh, There's a bunch of other stuff here. He's done this. He's achieved this versus somebody who has not achieved that. So I think that's exactly what I would suggest to folks to build, build an audience before you make the leap. I think it kind of the de- rest the situation and, you know, build a persona or a personal brand, like what you have been doing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, thanks, man. Appreciate, appreciate that. Um, uh- yeah, to, to your point on it, you know, it's it's like the old, um, you know, that timeless, that timeless saying: nobody ever got fired for buying IBM.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's yeah, that yeah. saying. Yeah, I think that's
1: good. probably what you had in mind. Not yeah. to say that I'm I'm not nothing like IBM. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine but that. But to your to your point, it's yeah. like, yeah, you bought a trusted name brand. That's probably going to be uh, more likely to get support throughout a company rather than, hey, we want to buy this no-name startup tool. It's like, I've never heard of that one. You know what yeah. I mean, so it's like... If you enjoyed this episode,
0: you'd love the Marketing Power Ups newsletter. Share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. You can Go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use, hit their KPIs consistently, and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and Please like and follow Marketing Power Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel like extra generous, kindly of leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. and Leave a comment on YouTube. It goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power Ups. Thanks to Mary Salden for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Taigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a Powered Update.
1: Marketing Power Ups.